It used to be a well-worn joke early on in the referendum campaign. The Norway model, rousing images of a beautiful Scandinavian rather than an alphabet soup of EFTA and the EEA. But as we heard earlier, Norway, or Norway Plus, is a proposal which is getting more and more attention. The Labour MP Stephen Kinnett claimed that up to 10 cabinet ministers were in favour of Norway Plus, which would mean remaining in the single market and customs union. Well, here to explain the details of what that could mean are Anand Menel, who's director of the UK in a Changing Europe Initiative and professor of European politics and foreign affairs at King's College London. And Matthew Goodwin's here in the studio. He's professor of politics at the University of Kent and author of National Populism, The Revolt Against Liberal Democracy. And we're also joined by Dr. Anka Sharita, who's assistant professor of competition law and co-director of the Institute of Commercial and Corporate Law at Durham University. Good morning to you all. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, let's begin with the um, the economics of um, how this proposal might work. Uh, first of all, um, Dr. Sharita, just explain to us what would happen to trade within the EU and outside it. Um, so, if we were to adopt the Norway style, we will definitely be in the European economic area and in the single market, which in the current proposals, as I understood the withdrawal agreement, we will only have the free movement of goods and we will be subject to customary checks. And, and so what would that mean in terms of our relations with the rest of the world? Uh, we will be able to oh. strike new trade agreements, um, but we won't be able to implement them until the transition period has ended which is realistic because we won't be able to obviously negotiate all these trade trade deals before the transition period has ended. I mean, bear in mind, though, that we're talking about Norway plus here because you need the plus to help us deal with the Northern Ireland situation. And if that means customs union, then we could end up with Norway without the right to sign the sort of trade deals that Norway can. But it would, it would resolve the Irish border well, question, do you point, think? Well, to a because Norway, of course, isn't in the common fisheries policy or the common agricultural policy, and an awful lot of the stuff that crosses the Irish border is agricultural products, so we'd still have to put some bolt-ons to the Norway model to deal with the Northern Ireland issue. And, Anka Sharita, it would also mean accepting EU regulations within the single market, presumably. Um, yes, especially with regard to common competition rules. Um, but as it was mentioned earlier, it would mean that we will have to be in the Schengen area in order to make sure that there is an open border between the UK and Northern Ireland. Well, now, that's interesting you say that. Just explain to us more about Schengen, because we're not in that at the moment, are we? No. So... To a certain extent, obviously, the Norway Plus will mean that we will have to accept also the free movement uh, of people. And Because being in the single market, it means we will have to accept all four freedoms, which currently Norway has. And I also wanted to point out, um, so Norway is not in the fisheries and also not in the agricultural policy. I don't think it would be in the national interest to be opted out of uh, agricultural policy because it would mean we will have more expensive food. So there would be no um, competition. We will operate as a closed economy until we strike new deals and we have new deals put in place. We still rely on 40% of agricultural produce from abroad. Matthew Goodwin, let's pick up on, on the point there about freedom of movement. Obviously, immigration was a huge issue in the referendum campaign. And the suggestion there that we would also be in Schengen, which, which would actually mean um, even looser immigration uh, arrangements than we have at the moment. 
I think if you look at the around 10 studies that we've had of why people voted for Brexit to begin with, there's absolutely no dispute that freedom of movement was a core driver of that vote. Uh, Not only, by the way, uh, only among leavers, about half of Remainers also wanted to see uh, that issue uh, reformed. Norway would not uh, really respond uh, in a meaningful way uh, to that request from the public. But it would mean an amenable frictionless trade. Yeah, I mean, the advantage of the Norway model is it is a way of leaving the European Union whilst minimising the economic cost. It's worth saying, however, that we're far from certain that the Norway model is on offer because both senior Norwegian politicians and the European Union have expressed some reservations. And in particular, I think you've got to bear in mind, Norway's a small country, population of about 5 million. They're not seen as an economic competitor in the way we are. And my sense is that for the European Union, if this were to be offered, it would be offered with a load of caveats to make sure... We don't have the kind of freedom to, as they see it, cherry pick that the Norwegians might enjoy under Article 102 of the uh, EEA Treaty, for instance. Give us, give us an example of what those caveats might be. Well, we have examples already in the withdrawal agreement, which is to say that the European Union has insisted on what's called the level playing field, which is to say you might be leaving and you might be outside the single market, but because you're a big economy next to us, we want guarantees that you won't undercut us when it comes to standards, when it comes to employment and social rights, because the danger otherwise is you get some access to our market without having to abide by our regulations and that raises the danger of unfair competition. And Matthew Goodwin, supporters of um, a Norway-style arrangement say that it would mean we would no longer be under the auspices of Europe's, the EU's top court, the uh, European Court of, of Justice. I mean, what are the implications for sovereignty? Well, if you are on the Eurosceptic wing uh, of the argument, you would probably argue that we would be less uh, um, uh, overseen by the ECJ, but we would have a new relationship with the EFTA court and that would not uh, respond to that request for a greater degree of sovereignty that came through uh, the leave vote. The longer term risk, in, in my view at least, of the Norway deal is because it doesn't deal adequately with either the request for greater sovereignty or the request for reform of migration, that Britain actually just ends up back uh, where we were in 2012, 2013, a few years from now, with a large section of the electorate saying, actually, what happened to Brexit? Finally, briefly, do you think this is where we might end up? I think we are either headed for a very soft uh, Brexit or a second referendum, um, both of which uh, I think carry a great deal of risk for the country. Matthew Goodwin, many thanks indeed for talking to us, author of National Populism. We also heard from Professor Anon Menon from King's College London and also Dr Anka Sharita, who's from Durham University.